Homestyle Green, episode 163. Air tightness can be a confusing thing. This week we're going there with John Davies from Proclimber and we're going to dissect a wall and look at what are all those layers that you really need. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. This is the podcast dedicated to inspiring people to make a better place to live. And one of the things you need to make a better place is an air tightness layer. And this is a good thing, as I've described before on the show. It's not something to be scared of. We're not talking about hermetically sealing ourselves and, and slowly suffocating inside a box. Think of it as a windproof jacket, like a lightweight jacket that you put around your heavy insulating layer. So I like to think of it as a, uh, a woolly jumper being kind of useless on a, on a windy day if you're standing out in the middle of a field. But put on a, a light, uh, thin jacket over the top of that to keep the wind off and it suddenly becomes a lot more effective. And that's what an air tightness layer is. It's stopping the wind and the rain getting into your insulation. But that's not the end of the story. You also need something else on the inside because moisture also comes from the inside of the building. So it gets a little bit complicated fairly quickly and that's where we can bring in the experts like John Davies who is a communicator, he's a teacher, he writes and um, he teaches people in the building industry on a daily basis about this stuff. So uh, no better person to ask. And uh, this podcast is supported by ProClimber, so it's fantastic to have these guys on the show. They're out there each day helping people understand this stuff, get their heads around it, and they've also got some great products that help achieve good building performance as well. If you are going down this route, which I do recommend uh, putting on that windproof jacket on your building, you are also going to need some ventilation, and there's a great solution that uh, is also supporting the Homestyle Green podcast this month, which is the Lunos brought to us here in New Zealand by the heating company. So check them out. You can find the links on the show notes for this episode, Homestyle Green forward slash 136. Now, I started out by asking John Davies why he does what he does. Well, uh, I do what I do because... We have a lot of underperforming homes in New Zealand. We have the ability to change them, change the way that we're building new. Mm-hmm. We have the ability to improve what we have uh, without causing additional damage, without making the same mistakes that other countries have already made with trapping moisture and walls uh, and, and then the associated health and costs uh, around that financially as well so yeah we can do better we can learn from other mistakes uh, that's why I do what I do that's interesting you bring up other countries because we often think that we're a bit special and uh, we've got our own issues but we could learn from other countries couldn't we what what could we learn oh yeah we can learn because the the physics don't change mm. and when I say that what I mean is we've got the same moisture, you know, it rains in other countries. We have the same ability to breathe out moisture. If we're inside a building, the materials might be a little bit different, but really the problems are not. 
we have cold outside, warm inside and winter. It's all the same stuff. Therefore, it's the same things that we need to deal with. But are we not uniquely more humid, um, you know, surrounded by water? Is, is New Zealand not a special case? Oh, we, you could argue that we have, I mean, by, by virtue of being surrounded by water, a maritime climate, yes, we have a higher humidity, but that's a really interesting, uh, I guess, maths or, you know, the physics. That, that makes us very similar to continental Europe, where they might be drier, but they have colder environment to deal with in winter. Mm. So the fact that we are not as cold but we are more humid, makes the problem a very, very similar problem within our structure, within within our buildings that we that we were, you know, our, our construction techniques. Yeah. Before you did what you do do now, um, what uh, what led you to uh, being with Proclima? Well, uh, Proclima came in the door of the merchant that I was working for uh, as a buyer, looking at products you know, in, a, in a procurement team. Uh -huh. So so the guys uh, in the startup mode of Proclima at the time, uh, which is just about 10 years ago now, they they came in the door and they looked to, well, they, they were looking uh, at, at putting their products on our shelves. So it was my job to look at that, work out whether we wanted to do that. I thought it was, uh, kind of, well, what's the best way to look at it? It, 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 what they presented at the time is what we're presenting now. It's the same thing, hasn't changed, but I think our market has changed radically. So the, there is now an acceptance of the fact that we have an issue with dealing with internal moisture. We're not doing that well yet. So yeah, finally, we don't have our heads in the sand uh, as far as acknowledging that there's a problem in the industry. So you were in a in a position of looking at products to sell, and you said, "Hello, mm -hmm. this is yeah. an interesting product." Yeah. So about six months after I first came across it, uh, the 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 team at Proclimber asked me to come on board with them, sort of on the other side of the fence. And yeah. So uh, out of out of all of the products, and there were quite a few that we were looking at and analysing. Uh, this is one that I wanted to be involved with, and that's largely because it is a measure of the, the, the change that you can make by implementing some of the things and specifically air tightness makes a measurable difference to the performance of a building. Yeah. And you, your background isn't entirely in the building industry, is it? You, you've also been in education in the past. Yeah. Does yeah. That, yeah. How does that help you in your day-to-day -day role now? Well, my, my role now is a mixture of working with people on site, looking at how to install products, and most of what I do would be uh, supporting architects and designers uh, and, and building officials in what the materials are doing. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, teaching background, yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully that's helpful uh, in, in the way that we present, because we know that we've got technical information and, and technical products. So to to take the the super technical and to try and make that accessible mm. is pretty important for us. It, it, with especially within our industry, that is, yeah, it's not well educated in that uh, in the building materials and building science, the physics end of things.
Yeah, because that can get quite complicated. And we, let's dive into that. We're going to talk about the physics of what's going on in a typical wall. Um, and we'll start from the outside. And the, the walls have got more complicated because my house that I'm sitting in right now is basically um, some strips of wood, uh, weatherboards, a gap, and then some plasterboard. Uh, pretty simple but not very effective. <laughs> and that's, what would you say, would 50, 60% of houses are like that around uh, around New Zealand, Australia? Yeah, uh, yeah, guessing maybe even a higher percentage than that. Uh, you, you're, you're describing a building which has stood up maybe, I don't know how old your house is. It might be... Oh, 1950s? 60, yeah, so I was going to say 60 years old. It could be 70, 80, 90, 100 years old. Yeah. The building's good. Right, the building's healthy, but I would take a guess that you're not particularly comfortable in winter, even in Auckland, in that building. No, right, because it doesn't have insulation. Yeah. So it's got huge amount of capacity to dry out. So if the frame gets a little bit wet, you don't have insulation in the way of the airflow. Yeah. So when you when you start, so I'd be careful with your house. If you insulate your walls, I'd be a little bit careful or, or be aware that when you insulate. You're, you're slowing down the drying capacity of that wall. So if you get moisture coming in, say, through the weatherboards, and Brands spent 10 years proving that every cladding system does actually leak, so if you push insulation into that space or, or inject it into that space, uh, you, you slow down the ability for that wall to dry out quickly before there's any actual moisture damage occurring. Mm -hmm. You might get staining. You know, if you pulled, if you looked into the back of your weatherboards now, if you pulled the, the internal lining off, you might see some staining on the back of the weatherboards, but they, they shouldn't be rotting and falling off the building. Of course, that can happen, but they've got huge amount of drying capacity around them. Mm. Okay, so now we want a higher level of performance from our homes these days. So we are insulating the walls. Mm. We've still got the cladding. Now we typically put a gap or a cavity between the cladding and the next layer. What's what's the next layer usually made of? Your next layer of defence uh, would be attached to the framing, so your wall underlay. Mm -hmm. And I think with the wall underlays, you've got some choices there. At the moment, there's the, the choice to do a flexible wall underlay. And within that, you've got a few choices. You've got some porous products, microporous products, and you've got some non-porous products. And you've also got the opportunity to do a rigid air barrier. So it could be a fibre cement sheet or a plywood uh, sheet in that same position. So that's a, that's a, a last line of defence when your cladding has leaked or does leak. And as we, I said, yeah, so when it leaks, not if it leaks? When, yep, yeah, that's right. Regardless leaks, of what it is? Yeah, yeah, apparently so. So that was Brands, that was Mark Bassett making that comment a couple of years ago. We spent 10 years proving that every cladding system leaks. Right. So expect it to, to leak, and you might be talking about high wind uh, event, or I don't know, it could just be something which is giving up in the, uh, you know, a, a flashing, or, you know, maybe your house was built with silicon holding a flashing on. Yeah. Those things don't last forever. Does that mean and there's no such thing as a, as a non-leaky house? <laughs> Every house leaks, but some dry out. Nice, nice. 
Now, you said another word there, porous. What does that mean? Yeah, so the, the typical wall underlays that have been available in the market for years now have been microporous. So the structure of those materials uh, allows moisture to move through them, hopefully doesn't let physical water through from the outside, but if it's a porous product, well, it can. So you can put moisture through a porous product. Okay, so um, I'm a little bit confused there because the, the, the whole point of that is the last line of defense, like you said, mm -hmm. of, of the inevitable small amount of moisture coming in through the cladding. Why are we putting a porous material there if we want to keep water uh, coming through? Oh, yeah, look, the, the our market is kind of interesting with that. We've got some requirements within the code for performance of our wall underlays. And yet, the, some of those requirements are not being met by some products that are available and even have brands appraisals in the market, which is kind of a bit frightening. And then you've got to consider that some of the products that we have are, are rejected, are not uh, allowed in other countries because they are not actually watertight. So, I mean, look, that, that, I'm not here to take a dig at other products. What I can say is that if you take a product which is not porous, uh, like, a, like the, the plywood or fiber cement or one of our wall underlays, which has a, 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 a film or a membrane within it, which is not allowing any physical water to move through it. So that that approach means that water cannot move through it on its own. So it will allow drying, but it will not allow physical water to run through it. As opposed to water vapour, is that the distinction there? Yes, yes. So water vapour is picked up by our products and transported through the product, but that happens on a molecular level. So the, the water is actually transported through something which is not allowing physical water through. So I think, I think we've just yeah. lost about 50% of our audience. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and if I could show that to you in a diagram, that might be more useful. Look at it this way. The way that they test it is with a, or simulated anyway, uh, sorry, physically done, but simulated 10 metres of water column pressure. So if you can imagine a, a drain pipe filled with water 10 metres high, yep. sitting on the product, so a pipe full of water, piece of material on the bottom of it. That's it. Yep. yep. So 10 metres high. So that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, the product doesn't fail. It does not let. It cannot let physical water, that physical water through itself. So if I put a piece of cotton on the bottom of that, water would just pour through it. Yep. If I put a piece of plastic on it, it would hold the water. Um, but somewhere in the middle, something's going to let droplets through. Yeah, so if you had a microporous product, it would let droplets of water through at right. that stage. Uh, and that's, yeah, but look, yeah, we're, we're getting into an area which is pretty hard to describe. I can see that because I've seen the photos of it actually being sure, tested. Sure. And I think it's pretty hard for somebody to imagine yep. that. So, yeah, I apologize if we've got a bit too complex there. No, no, that, that's fine because yeah. this is important. And, and, and I guess the critical thing that you mentioned there was that some people may not be getting what they think they're getting uh, in that layer. If it is the last line of defense, and you mentioned that some perhaps don't form 
as they are either advertised or or it's assumed mm. that they're they're perform- and and I guess even then we're also talking about perfect conditions, right? Because at some point you've got to join bits of material together, so you've got seams and, and joins and all the rest of it. Um, no, so that's, that's the same, yes, but that's the same with ours. So ours true. is not a continuous sheet, and we fix it on with staples. So at that point, depending on how exposed or what level of performance is required, we would then either tape over those, or you know, you're, you're talking about you're talking about protecting the structure for the lifetime of the building. Yep. And if it's if it's a useful way to think about it. If you stand in the shower, you don't fill up with water, right? So your skin will shed water, but at the same time, if you were really, really hot getting into the shower or you're having a very, very hot shower, you will be sweating, but you still don't fill up with water. Yep. So your skin has the ability to to transpire moisture out of itself, but is still comparatively watertight i'm giving an analogy hopefully it's sensible yeah yeah um, it does make sense because yeah, i think to, yeah. um it the the flow there is into it can be different in each direction is that is that a good way of thinking yeah, about that's it? Right. That you yeah. can have you can have yeah. moisture flowing in one direction i mean this is a classic gore-tex jacket analogy isn't it where that was a revelation when it came out you didn't have to yeah. tramp it around in a in a PVC plastic thing where you just got That's right. wet, wet on the inside because you're sweating anyway, um, suddenly you could keep rain droplets off, but you could sweat and, That's right. and perspire, yeah. transpire through that and stay dry on the inside. Um, is a rigid barrier better than a material barrier, like a flexible, um, uh, whether it's impregnated or, or just a, a cloth? kind of wall underlay what's better Ooh. Good, good question I think you'd have to ask why or what you need so a rigid air barrier mm. is fantastic for bracing elements uh, as well as a weather tight layer to the outside right and so there, there are benefits in that sense you can also rely on a a rigid air barrier to the outside of your frame uh, to help you with the speed of build. So that's like a, a, an early close-in approach where you've got temporary protection with that yep. layer. Um, we argue that our wall underlay does a similar job to that, but it's not quite so easy to justify that because it can be damaged. It is, I guess, I was going to say delicate. It's Somebody being careless could push a scaffold pole through that while they're assembling or disassembling sure. scaffolding, and unless that's actually fixed, which is a so so in that sense, you know, plywood or even fibre cement is a bit more robust than that. But the idea is the same. And are there some wind zones that require um, a rigid air barrier, or is it just that some designers prefer to go to that level? Uh, once you get into the extra high and then the sort of outside the standard uh, 3604 requirements, yes, rigid air barriers can be required. Right. Uh, and sometimes rigid air barrier and an external wall underlay and specific claddings. So if you're on the clifftop in Piha, it might be, well, quite different right. requirements yeah. than, uh, than the you know, middle of Mount Albert. Okay. 
So that's our wall underlay, and we can go down the rigid option. We can go down a, a flexible option. You've got the Solitex, is that correct for the for the uh, external layer? Yes, that's right. That's a that's a family of products. The Solitex uh, Extasana. Uh, I didn't make up the German names for all of this, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So Extasana is the wall underlay, uh, which has a Codemark certification, and then we've got uh, the Mento products for roof underlays. Uh, those can be left exposed, so the, the Mento 1000 has a one-month exposure. Mento 3000 you can leave exposed for three months. Wow. Uh, and the same with the wall underlay too, so the, the Extasana can be left exposed for up to three months before you close over, which is pretty useful if you've got a shortage of materials or shortage of labour, which is a huge problem for us right now. Mm. When I say us, I mean the market, you know, the, the industry in general. Uh, bricklayers are in massively short supply right now. So you can put your framing up, uh, wrap, wrap the whole thing up in, in the Soltex, uh, cover the windows with it, and, and then get your tradies going on the inside? Yes and no. I would not recommend that you do that without a roof cladding on. Right. So, so right. without the actual roofing installed. So right. yes, it will provide a temporary protection from the elements. Uh, so certainly, and, and I think the idea there is that the builder stands up kiln-dried timber. You know, they stand up yeah. the frames. It was kiln-dried when it came out of the kiln. It's arrived on site. The trusses, the, the, the roof framing is installed. And then what we're saying is cover it up, cover it up as quickly as you can to prevent more moisture being absorbed by that timber. Mm. So if you keep it dry, it will be, it will retain its stability. Uh, it won't take a whole lot of time to dry out again. So you actually keep your build times uh, as low as possible so that, that you're not slowed down by waiting for timber to dry. So there's a few benefits around doing that. Yeah. And cool. certainly for, for, yeah, for the wall underlay, yes, some councils are happily accepting the use of the Extasana uh, for early closing. All right, let's move on through to the inside. We've got usually some insulation stuffed in the framing there. Um, uh, we, we won't get into, um, we might briefly touch on, on, on um, second cavities, but um, you know, sometimes that can be an option as well. But somewhere moving into the interior what's the next important layer mm. well insulation is i know we talked at first about insulation kind of being a problem and that it slows down the drying capacity of the wall so we've talked about so let's assume that we're now putting insulation within the frame within mm -hmm. that framing line we've protected it from external moisture so that's that really externally we're dealing with wind and rain yeah, And then from the inside, we've got some other things, some other challenges to deal with. And we, we name those as air and moisture. So outside wind and rain and protecting from wind and rain yep. from externally and then inside protecting from air and moisture. Now that sounds like it's the same thing, but what we're dealing with on the inside is moist air. So especially in winter conditions, in fact, all of the time, you still need to be ventilating, so either with windows and doors to deal with internal moisture or a mechanical ventilation system. 
and ideally a balanced pressure mechanical ventilation system. Yep. Uh, but we're not going to get into that right now. The key part for us, though, with our products is instead of relying on plasterboard to be fulfilling a number of roles, being uh, plasterboard, if you think about a standard wall, plasterboard has to actually be a pretty magical product because you've got to, it, it's got to be a nice visual layer. It's got to look good. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also has to generally be a bracing element or at least part of the bracing, you know, keeping the wall upright, keeping the house upright. And it, it should also be, well, it also is required to be an air control layer. So it's stopping drafts flowing in and out through the building. And within that, it's supposed to stop moisture to some degree flowing in and out of the building. Yeah. But it can't be an air barrier or an air control layer at the same time as you put PowerPoints and light switches and gaps and cracks in that product. So really what we're asking it to do is not possible because we put holes in it. So what we're saying is instead of relying on that to do all of those jobs, let's rely on it possibly to provide some bracing, that's fine, but mostly to be a visual layer. Yeah, I mean, that's what most people would think of, of the plasterboard. It's, it's there to look good. Yeah, but there's a whole lot more that it's kind of needing to do. But what we're doing is instead of relying on that, we're putting in another layer. So we're actually making, we're adding a layer to make the system less complicated. And that layer sits on the inside of the framing. Right. So we're talking now about the external walls and the ceiling. So the top ceiling in your house, if it's two stories. Around that, where the insulation is, on the inside of that, we're putting an air control layer. So this is, is between the insulation and our wall, plaster, our plasterboard. Plasterboard, that's right. Yep. That's right. So it's doing two things. Firstly, it's an air control layer. We want to stop moist air, so well, warm air, cool air, doesn't matter which one, but moist air moving through towards the outside, so through the framing towards the outside. And we also want to stop the vapour in that air from accumulating within that wall structure on the way. Right. And which answers the question of, of why do we want this air barrier? Because I, I think that stumps a lot of people mm. uh, because it sounds a bit like air tightness and that makes yeah. people nervous. Yeah, and, and it is. But it's a very, very deliberate air tightness uh, pathway. So we're, we're trying to make it airtight. See, when, when we started to insulate buildings, Everything started to get, and I'm talking about approximately 1978. From then on, everything, every building that we were building in the industry was starting to get airtight or more airtight than what we had. But it was pretty much accidental. And at some point, our buildings became too airtight to dry out on their own. So they were essentially trapping moisture from internal sources within the structure. Yep. And what we're doing is, because the, the, we hear it in the industry all the time, aren't our houses already too airtight? Mm. Well, we would say, no, they're not. No, we, we need to go one more step to very deliberate, very careful, controlled airtightness. And then the ventilation occurs from inside to outside through windows and doors, not through the walls. Yeah. 
Yeah. So through the places we want want it to go by design rather than by accident. That's right, because your wall is not the wall structure is not a ventilation system and should not be relied on providing some kind of external air to to breathe healthy air. Mm. It's not what it's there for. But your windows and doors have been put in that building to do that. What's the difference between a vapor barrier and a vapor? Uh, well, what else is there? Vapor uh, retarder, I've heard. Vapor control layer. What are the difference in those? Yeah, good, good question. A vapor barrier would be something like a plastic sheet or a polythene sheet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that stops moisture. You've got one further step even more than that, and that would be a vapor blocker, which would be something like foil. So if you wrapped up water in foil, left it there, it would stay there. It would be there in 100 years. And it we've been there, right? We've, 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 yeah. had, we've had foil-backed plasterboard. Yeah, we have. We, we have. thought that was a good idea for a little while. Yeah, and do you know what? In, in one condition, it was a good idea. Right, but, in one condition. One condition me- meaning winter. It, it actually was a pretty good idea. Huh. Yeah. But, but because of the nature of the product, which is always a complete vapour blocker, and does not change. It doesn't. It can't change its performance. It was going to trap moisture on one side of it. Right. Uh, so, so, so we've got foil. So that's a that's an absolute vapor blocker. Yeah. yeah. And, and so we abs- agree abs- now that's not a good idea. <laughs> it's not a good idea. Okay. Uh, and then, what? Well, sorry. Let's start that again. Not a good idea in standard timber frame. The quickest way to rot timber is to wrap it up in plastic or wrap it up in foil. Right, okay. Because you've trapped moisture, and that's that's going to end up in tears, yeah. uh, literally. Uh, so you've got a vapor blocker, absolute vapor mm-hmm. blocker. Then you've got the polythene sheet, which we would call a vapor barrier. And then underneath that, or, or, or lower down in the scale, you've got a series of products, and sometimes they're called vapor checks, sometimes they're called vapor retarders, uh, brands are calling our product and and like um, or you know sort of within the same realm uh, smart vapor retarders now that's a mm, hopefully I haven't confused things right there what what we offer in the market is a smart vapor retarder we call it a vapor control layer and it prevents moisture loading but it doesn't prevent drying so we want to stop moisture going into the framing but we don't want to stop moisture getting back out of that same framing. So, so the, this the is mass... similar to the, the Gore-Tex kind of performance? Well, Gore-Tex doesn't change its performance much. Um... Okay, yeah, so yours is smart because it changes the, um, uh, uh, the permeability. Yeah, that's right. It's actually actively changing depending on humidity. So when the humidity around the product is, on average, low, then the the layer is actually tight or it doesn't allow moisture through, and that, that would simulate a winter condition. Uh, it's it, There's some good physics involved with that, and it's, it's much easier to sort of understand some of that when you see it uh, drawn, if you like. Uh, and then in summer conditions, we want that product to be allowing moisture out of the frame. So that's that's when the product is physically, uh, well, 
is is open to allow vapor out. But while it does both of those things, open or closed, it's still airtight. So the reason that we want to do that is because the insulation works when it has still air molecules within it. So if you take, uh, it doesn't matter what product it is, whether it be a polyester um, blanket or, or a fiberglass um, or, or even cellulose, you know, even like a wood fiber, those products are all trapping air molecules. Yep. And the, the insulating bit is the air. So it's not the glass, it's not the timber, it's not the, it's the air which is still. And so we want to keep that still. So we want a sandwich of, of uh, product, if you like, sort of three layers, external, still air insulation, and then an internal air tightness layer. Now you said that you said there that the the layer allows moisture through, but not air. How does that physically work? Is air not smaller than moisture? Yeah. So so the process you're talking, well, what we're talking about there is is diffusion. So that's the movement of moisture from one material to the next to the next. Yep. Whereas air carries a lot of moisture through the through the movement of air, so the, the air is carrying the moisture, and that happens really fast. So that's the first thing we have to stop. We have to stop warm, moist air moving out through the structure, because not only is that a waste of the warm air that you've heated up inside your house, it's carrying moisture out through to the cooler parts of the construction, yep. and that's potentially a problem of a condensation risk towards the outer layers. So you're saying, so massive air has got some moisture in it mm -hmm. and we want to stop that air moving because um, we don't want that that moisture flying around yet we still want that if there's a build-up of moisture of an excess uh, higher humidity on the inside than there is on the outside we want the moisture so how does the moisture get out without letting the air out well your your moisture you need to deal are, are you talking about within the house where, where you're talking about through a layer through a layer Oh, so so yeah. So you, so if you have moisture, so let's say it's a new build, and there is damp timber in the wall, mm -hmm. you need to get that moisture. That needs to be able to dry out of the structure. Yeah. And we ideally we want two different directions. We want towards the outside, and towards the inside for drying. So yeah. some structures work like that, and some structures don't, depending on the material layout. So, in winter conditions the drying is actually toward or the energy flow carrying moisture is towards the outside of the building but in summer or, or even if the cladding is hot uh, in winter so if it's in full sun the the drive the energy drive is from the outside from that hot towards the cold and that carries moisture with it so you want to be able to dry using that pathway towards the inside which is why you don't want a plastic sheet on the inside of your framing because right. that will stop the moisture escaping from that framing yeah because in the winter time it's got to flow out and in the summertime if it flows in is that yeah well the the drying capacity is towards the inside right so so that in winter if you live if you cook breathe uh, clean whatever it is inside your house that moisture is in the air Yep. So, well, the, at least there is a lot of moisture in the air at that stage. So, yes, you can extract some of it from your bathroom and extract some of it from your kitchen, but 
the air itself has a lot of moisture. And, you know, we talked earlier about our, uh, our environment in New Zealand being relatively humid, and that's the same in our houses. So right now, I've got a little meter on my desk here, and I've currently got 58% relative humidity in my office. That's pretty good. Well, it's not too bad. Um, Is that I'd air conditioned? Like to be, no, it's not air conditioned. I'd like it to be a little bit lower. Be nice to be about fifty percent. That would be pretty healthy. But our ambience more like eighty percent, isn't it? It can be. It can be really high. So yeah. if you were, I mean, I'm looking outside right now. Uh, it's probably quite a bit higher. Not that I can tell by looking outside. I have to actually go and measure it. But it's pretty damp outside. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's humid. But I think what you need to consider is you don't want that warm, moist air moving through the structure. Yeah. Because as, as, that, as that air cools down, its capacity to hold moisture reduces. Yeah. And then that's when you lead to problems with uh, um, condensation. That's right. That's right. Or a hum- they, yeah, fog yeah, or yeah, moisture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and, that and, and in the past, you, I've heard you say that moisture goes in the direction of the temperature, which is probably the easiest way for me to remember what's going on. Because in that analogy of when it's on a on a cold day, when it looks wet outside, but if you if, if it's warm inside, you've you've potentially got still a drive going out. That's right. Um, which is is a little bit confusing, and and I think the other thing that uh, has surprised me, which I when the penny dropped that. Moisture can travel through something that air can't, may not travel through. Um, I didn't realise that at first. Uh, it, um, that kind of helped me visualise that there can be this barrier that stops airflow, but still allows um, vapour and moisture mm. to flow through it. Uh, because my feeling was that surely something that is going to stop air moving is going to stop everything. Um, yeah, yeah, and and look, I can appreciate that that's a fairly normal, or you know, it's it's not uncommon to think like that. If you think about a, a piece of timber, let's just say a, a sheet, um, I don't know, uh, something that you can't, you know, you could you could put your face on and try and blow air through, and you can't blow air through it, but you know full well that it can it can pick up moisture and move moisture through itself it can mm. soak up moisture mm. yep. so it's it's that kind of idea and yeah. maybe if it's helpful an egg uh, shell can do the same thing and the membrane within an egg you know it can allow vapor to escape but is still uh, airtight and watertight so yeah as long as you end up with rotten eggs yeah well yeah yeah so <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know whether I'm, I'm not sure of my biology right there as far as the, the, <laughs> we'll stick the, to the physics. details. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's probably easier. I, I, do like, I do like a good um, biomimicry uh, analogy, though. Um, <laughs> hey, look, we, we, uh, we've, we've div- dived deep into um, physics there, and um, I know that you and I could probably carry on talking about that and get quite excited about it. What do people need to know? Um, whether they're building their own home or if they're designing or if they're, or if they're building for someone else, what, what do they really need to know? Yeah, yeah. look, we've, we've got a, a little, a tiny little brochure uh, sort of that covers this, uh, this sort of question and it has four parts to it. 
it has these four areas. It has comfort, it has health, it has saving energy, and lastly, investment protection. Now, depending on who we're talking to, we start with one of those things. Right. So let's just say you're you're an architect, and yep. we might start with investment protection. You know, like the like the durability and the the risk end of things. You know, what are you designing? Can you predict it? Can you tell me that it will be there in ten years' time? Or you know, are there some concerns? Yeah. So that that would be an approach. Uh, you know, potential approach that way. Yeah. If you are, uh, say, looking to build a retirement, um, you know, your your retirement home now, we might take a different approach. We might look at it from a maybe a saving energy end or a from the comfort side of things. Mm. So can you predict that your house that you're building will be, you, you know, you'll be able to be comfortable in that at 21, 22, 24 degrees, whatever you are wanting, whatever you're aiming at. And can you afford to do it? So the comfort and the saving energy actually is one and the same thing there. Yep. So what, what I'm saying is that the build cost is, is uh, maybe a little bit higher. No, in fact, it will be a little bit higher on day one, but your your energy costs will be lower on day two, day three and onwards because of the way the house is built. And your medical and then, bills will be lower as well. Yeah, so look, that's the fourth <laughs> one. It is the health. And so, you know, let's just say you're, you've got a young family and you're looking at the, not the health costs, but you're just looking at a healthy home. You're looking, yeah. You want to have a healthy home. Yeah. Now, I, I'm really aware that these are kind of catchwords or, or, you know, common um, phrases that get chucked around in the industry. But if you can predict what your house will do, now you might expect that if you build a new house and it has the minimum legal requirement for insulation in the house, you might expect to be warm. And I can tell you that that doesn't correlate directly. Those two things won't sit side by side by default. And even if you are warm, you might be damp. Well, and if you are warm, it might be costing you a fortune to get there. Yeah, and and also if you're warm and damp, it, it's going to be mouldy, and therefore it's not going to be. be it's not going to be healthy, right. even if it is um, to code and and theoretically warm. Um, That's right. Which is That's why right. it's important to have this sort of whole integrated approach. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, just uh, I suppose to 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 wrap up this part of the the question, maybe to wrap up the interview. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, I don't know. We've probably had enough, but. Uh, I, I have we could go on, just, but our audience yeah, yeah. has probably had enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, just really, really quickly, I have some friends who have just built a a, a very expensive home, uh, older friends of the family, and and we we go there occasionally um, to for for a meet, and the house is cold. It really, it's just all over cold, and we're talking about a house in Auckland, so I'm talking winter conditions, winter time. So not excessive. We're not going down to Queenstown or, or some no, no. Um, but, but severe it's a new climate. Build. It's it's a new build, fully uh, you know insulated to code, yeah. but it's cold. Now, when you turn the heating on, it's going to take a long time to heat that up. Yeah. It's not as good as it could be. And what we're doing is we're adding really we're adding one layer to the inside of the insulation to allow that insulation to perform a whole heap better 
than what you might have experienced or maybe even expect from insulation. You don't get a down jacket, you don't buy a down jacket without the two layers of nylon around the down. You've, yeah. got, to, you've got to protect the insulation yeah. from air movement that carefully with, the, with sensible products that are predictable. Predictable performance is what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. And, and the plasterboard on the inside and the leaky cladding, whatever it is, is not going to do the job of, of keeping the fluffy stuff dry um, or in place in the middle. Yeah, look, there's nothing wrong with plasterboard, so don't hear me say that, but it's a visual layer. Yeah, that's, sure. That's what it's there for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good, John. Hey, where can people find out more? Because um, I know that this this is confusing stuff. The more I have to he hear this over and over again to, to get it straight in my head. It is physics. It's, this is a hard stuff. Yeah, moisture, mm. control, temperature I can deal with, but when you're throwing relative humidity, absolute humidity in there, it gets confusing. This is this is quite tricky stuff. So um, that's why I was asking about what people absolutely need to know. And I guess at, at some point, people don't need to know, dive in the deep end of the physics. They just need to find someone who they can trust uh, and, and advise on this stuff because they can't rely on the building code. We know that. Um, I have recommended that people get in, in touch with the likes of you guys, where can people do that? What's the best place to um, get in touch? Yeah, probably a good starting point is uh, on our website, which is www.proclima, P-R-O-C-L-I-M-A.co.nz. So that's Proclima. Uh, and and can... uh, is that is .com.au if, uh, if you're in Australia? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, so we've got. Actually, I should just check that because I, I. Funnily enough, I don't have that in my head. Uh, you've asked me. You've trapped me. I, I think if. <laughs> I mean, if people search for for Proclima wherever they are, they'll um, they'll find yep. where they where they need to go. That's right. That's right. And um, the other thing that we've got coming up just in the next few weeks, we've uh, we've got a whole lot of product going into TV3's the block. So that's. Going oh, you can to say be... that now. Oh well, it's been under wraps for a long time. <laughs> Literally, uh, we've been we've boom, been boom. hiding. We've been under a rock with that for a little bit. But yeah, look, that's I, I'm I can't predict exactly what will be shown at this stage uh, on screen, but it will show the air tightness layer. It will show the Intello uh, in yeah. every room, and with that, you know, I'm really hoping that that will start to become clear why we do that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's going to be uh, on screen every week for the next couple of months. That's exciting stuff. Hey, thank you very much for your time, John. I'm pretty sure that after speaking with Thomas about blower door testing, speaking with you just about these two layers, um, that's probably going to uh, raise a whole bunch more questions than what we've answered. So yeah. I I think we should <laughs> get you back again sometime because uh, we need to talk about ventilation a bit more and we and we need to talk about um, a, a few like tapes and seals and, and just kind of the whole design philosophy as well so I look forward to uh, having more chats in the future. Sure sounds good thanks for your time. Thank you. John Davies there from Proclimber and if you missed anything in the show we did dive pretty deeply there into some of the building science uh, all the notes or some of the notes are at homestylegreen.com forward slash 163 for episode 163 and you can also get in touch directly with the team at proclimber proclimber.co.nz 
or proclimate.com or in Australia, proclimate.com.au. And also don't forget to check out the Lunos through-wall heat recovery ventilation system. You will want some good ventilation if you're going down the air tightness route in your build or renovation, which I do highly recommend. Uh, remember, put on that windproof jacket over the top of your nice thick insulation to make it very, very effective. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you do enjoy the show, head on over to iTunes. I'd love it if you could leave a rating and or review over there. Spread the good word and go make a better place to live. Mm-hmm.